You know, Easter's coming in a few weeks. Have you noticed? Jesus is alive. We've got work to do. We've got work to do, and I'm grateful that we can do that together. We can do so much more together than we can by ourselves. So I just want to congratulate you because this is the fourth week in a row talking about generosity. You have made it. Yay, you made it. You survived. All right, so how many of you are here all, all four weeks? They have a, a southern saying for that, bless your heart. Wow. But we continue and we conclude with perhaps one of the most important thoughts when we think about generosity, it's this. The Great Commission is tied to generosity, and we've sung about that, and now we're going to talk about that a little bit. I don't know if you've ever read this book, but one of the all-time best-selling Christian books ever written is called The Purpose Driven Life, and it begins with one simple sentence. Do you remember it, those of you that read it? Here it is. It's not about you. Wow, ponder that for a minute. It's not often I read a book and I have to stop at the first sentence and just go, whoa, that is a compelling statement. That is a convicting statement. And then it went on to say this, the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your own peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you ready? You must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. So let's just have an invitation. No, we're not going to do invitation right now, but boy, that's convicting, isn't it? Think about that for a minute. I think this brings us to the heart of biblical stewardship. It's this. It's all about God. It's all about his glory, and it's all about his kingdom. I'm not building my kingdom. I'm not looking for glory for me, but it's about God. We put the spotlight on him. We put the spotlight on Jesus, not during, just during our worship times, but throughout our life each day, and also how we are involved in biblical stewardship, which, of course, we've been talking about our treasure, but that includes our time and our talents. So today, I want to tie two things together, if we could. Hopefully, we'll be successful with this. And as we finish the series, it's this. Uh, you'll remember this. God is the owner of everything. And then secondly, always focus on the Great Commission. So acknowledge that God is the owner and acknowledge that we've got to focus always on the Great Commission. I would say the times where I don't focus on the Great Commission, and that happens to me sometimes, just like you, I'm, I'm, I'm off doing something that may be good, but not best. And so we need to be reminded of this. And you know the Great Commission passage, the end of the Gospel of Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of, do you remember? All nations. So let me just stop there and say that. That means to the ends of the earth, right? It also means around the corner. Let's not forget that. We, we have a strategy to go to all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Think about that for a minute. We're not perfect. We sin, but we are working towards looking at everything God has commanded us, even stewardship, and doing what? Trying to observe that. And Gregory said it in his prayer a moment ago, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
So that's a little reminder verse we need. Another one we need is the famous Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Do you remember that when that happened? Do you, you remember the story of Pentecost and how things changed for believers? Well, we're post-Pentecost. Did you know that? So what does that mean? It means the Bible teaches us the moment you are truly saved, regenerated, transformed, whatever word you want to use for it, the moment that relationship, that personal relationship begins with the Lord, we get God's Spirit. Okay? Listen, there's no incantation you have to do. There's no special prayer you have to do. There's not a 21-step process to receive God's Spirit, although I've read that before. Do you know that's out there? It is. It is. I'm just saying. No. Scripture says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's us. It's happened to us if we're believers. And you will be what? My witnesses to the ends of the earth. So those are two overarching scriptures and principles we need to think about this morning. You see, our commission is to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to every person in the world and make disciples, according to scripture, of all nations. That helps me to remember that I don't need to have an ounce of prejudice in me. I don't need to have the wrong thought about any people group or any socioeconomic group Etc., etc. Now, during the New Mexico legislature session, which I'm glad finished, I have trouble appropriating that into my life. <laughs> I got to pray for the salvation of those people doing things that just, I'm like, how in the world can we be doing this in New Mexico or, or in the United States or around the world? But the fact is, we're to make disciples of all nations. And even if I think someone might be my enemy, what, what does Scripture tell us to do? we got to love them and pray for them, right? So we go. Someone once said this. The Great Commission should, not, should never be the Great Omission. Have you heard that before? I want to take it a step further. I think it must be the Great or our Great Obsession. And we need to continually work toward this. Why is this important? If you get anything today, forget about money or stewardship or generosity or anything else. Remember this, above all, people need Jesus and people need Jesus now. Not tomorrow. There will be people right in New Mexico who will die today and break wide open the gates of hell. They will enter into an eternity, uh, not just... Uh, eternity of um, great turmoil and, and all that stuff that we read in the Bible, but most importantly, they'll enter into eternity separated from God and all his goodness and glory forever. People need Jesus, and people need Jesus now. Now, thank you for that, amen. I actually heard that. Did you hear that over there? Uh, what are, we're going out this afternoon and sharing, right? It's hard to do in our life, isn't it, sometimes? Other things get in the way and other things go on. Um, had two grandchildren in our home the last couple days, and amen, there's a good amen. All right. It's easy to focus on them and sometimes forget. 
the Great Commission a little bit, right? We, we, other things get going. But are we working towards that? Are we working towards that? People need Jesus, and people need Jesus now. If we could get to the idea, we have such good intentions, church, don't we? I, I, that's how it is for me. I'll get to that. Lord, I know I need to do that. But what if it is too late for that person? The Great Commission and generosity. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I pray my words would be your words. I pray that we would understand the scripture that we read today, that you would show us, that you would customize it for us in a way that you do, and that we would be receptive. Open our hearts and our ears and our minds. God, touch us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You see, living out biblical stewardship gives us two bookends. Have you, you ever thought about bookends? Yeah. Just the other day, we were having a meeting in, in, in my office, and, and, and Gregory, I don't know what he did to my bookshelf, but <laughs> something happened to the bookend. You remember that, Gregory? And they all went, Pah! tried to fix them, and I just noticed this morning, they're still, Pah! okay? Bookends are a good thing. But we get two bookends when we think about it, and we've mentioned that. God owns everything. And we strive to reach every person for Jesus Christ across the entire world. Years ago, a wise man, a very wise man said this, and I quote, Stewardship should never be divorced from evangelism. Wow. Ponder that for a moment. Ponder that for a moment. As we think about the talents God has given us, the time we have that's ticking and ticking and ticking, and the treasure, all that he has given us. Now, I need to give a little reminder or disclaimer. Not for you folks here, but for, you know, the sinner that's out on the golf course or the lake or just slept in today. Not us, but those folks. Here's the reminder when we think about the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not limited to pastors. The Great Commission is not limited to preachers or super Christians. Well, if I could just be like that guy or that gal. Boy, they're just always out there doing that. It's not limited to that. Making disciples of all people is every believer's assignment. Did you know that? Whether we accept it or not, it's our assignment. Whether we act on it today or have a bad day tomorrow or a good day the next day, it's our assignment. It doesn't go away. You remember Ephesians chapter 4, especially verses 11 through 13. It tells me that my job is to teach to preach, to teach, to proclaim. And as I'm doing that, to do what? Equip people. Who do I equip? The saints, other believers. Why? Every believer. Why? To do the, do you remember it? Work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ. That's what Scripture says. So we're in it together, and I just want to remind you of that. Well, our focal passage today, if you'll turn to it, if you haven't yet, is Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. And I want to give a little context as we jump in, because we haven't been going through Philippians. We're jumping in right here. And what we need to know is Philippians written to the church at Philippi, and the Christians in Philippi knew the apostle Paul had come to Macedonia, that Macedonian call that he had followed. God had called him. And then he left Macedonia... Same calling to do what? Do you remember? To go and preach the gospel some other places. 
to other people who did not yet know Jesus Christ. And as Paul here is uh, closing out his brief letter uh, to the church at Philippi, he shares with them about the blessings of God they would receive as they focus, I think, on the Great Commission. Let's read it, starting in verse 10, Philippians 4. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for, need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little and how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. There's that word again. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, and I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, pay attention, still, you did well by sharing with me in my hardship. That's an important word. You may want to underline that, sharing. Verse 15, and you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the manner of giving and receiving except you alone. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? That's, what, that's what's written right there in the Bible. It's you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need. Not one time, but several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, a welcome sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So be it. Let it be. Wow. So a couple things here today for you. Number one, the first word or action I want us to think about is this, reset. Reset. Well, reset what? Here's the reset that I need and I think you probably need as well, to always focus on the Great Commission. We need that reset. Do you need a reset in your life? I need them all the time. Just, you know about computers. I can remember for many years now, I'd have a problem with the computer. You know what the first thing the IT person would say to me? You're shaking your head. You're laughing. Do you know? Have you rebooted? Have you <laughs> reset? No. Try that. Okay, never mind. I don't need you. It's good. <laughs> right? But we need that in our life as well. And verse 15, we key in on this. Verse 15, Paul mentions these folks had a strong commitment to further the gospel. Do you remember what Paul was doing at this time? Do you remember those missionary journeys he was on, covering all the earth, really, that he knew about just going wherever and as far as God would take him? He's doing this, and he mentions, hey, you had a strong commitment. He, he, he mentions this by recalling to them what he referred to as the early days of the gospel. He go, it goes way back. You see, it was the gospel of Jesus Christ that drove Paul to do all these journeys. It's crazy. Being shipwrecked, all kinds of things happened to Paul, but he, it was driven by the gospel to go to everyone. He looked at everything through the lens of the gospel. 
You see, to understand how we are to be Great Commission people, we must remember this. The gospel is for all people. You, you believe that? And the gospel also is to all people. We need both of those things going. And I just want to stop for a moment and say, personally, not church-wide, personally, how are you doing? Is today a day that you need to reset your focus on the Great Commission? And I just want to stop for a moment and remind everyone here that's listening, those of you online that are listening, you can't reset to the Great Commission unless you have been saved. Unless God has come into your life and transformed you and saved you. Do you church, do you remember that day when it happened to you? Maybe it was the evening. I don't know. For me, it was camp. I'm big on camp because of that. For some of you, it was in a church service, right? Let me see your hands. Anybody in a church service where that happened? How about at home? Sometimes mom and dad had a lot to do with it. At home? How about in the parking lot of Chili's? <laughs> My assistant in Bloomfield shared the story with me years ago as she sat in the parking lot of Chili's and got to lead a young lady to Christ. It can happen there. It can happen anywhere that God chooses to do that. So let me say to you, God loves you so much he sent Jesus so that you would not have to perish, but that you would spend eternity with him. And I think as important that you would get to spend this life with him, the abundant life, each day, each hour, each minute. Does that happen in your life? The Bible tells us we're all sinners. We're separated. We sang about it, that holy God. We're separated from him. Because he's mean? No, because he's holy. He can't have anything to do with sin. And yet he loved us so much, he loved you so much, that he sent his one and only, Jesus. And if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him, I think that means believe what the Bible says. The Bible says you will be saved. Isn't that awesome to think about? So we, we need a reset, but I, I just want to let you know you can't reset if you've never been set. Is that, I don't know if that's good English or not, but think about that for a minute. So I really want you to ponder that today if that's your case. And remember, God's doing something in your life. He's even given you the faith to take that step and say, I repent, I give you my life and my sins. I give it to you, God. Remember, if that is true in your life, we might need a reset about the Great Commission to focus on that always. Remember, people need Jesus, and people need Jesus now. So from our ministry to kids, uh, to students, to adults of all ages, uh, of all seasons of life, we sometimes and often even need to reset our lives. We need to reset our church on the great commission of Jesus Christ. And church, it's not that I don't love you. I love you. But sometimes our converse, conversation or an idea that you might have or something if, if it doesn't seem just like greatest thing ever to Lamar, it might be because I'm pondering what does this have to do with the Great Commission? There's a lot of good things out there, but what does it have to do with making disciples of all nations? 
So do not miss what Paul also said to them in verse 14. He said, you did well by sharing with me in my hardship. And speaking of financial support, that's what Paul's talking about here. He notes that these folks supported Paul and the gospel work more than anyone else. Do you remember that? Did you catch that in verse 15? And not only that, they sent gifts to Paul several times. Interesting. Reset. We must continually focus on the Great Commission. The second action I would like for us to consider is not reset, but realign. Realign. And what I mean by that is realign to give with the Great Commission in mind. We know scripture that says we're supposed to give cheerfully, willingly, hilariously. It's not supposed to be some compulsion. It's not a hoop that we jump through just because we know we have to do that. But we give with the Great Commission in mind. And whether you're giving to a ministry, an organization, or to your church, we need to have that in mind and be thinking about that. I would say even things as simple as churches all over New Mexico today, making sure the lights are turned on, you may think, oh, that's not important. Well, it really is. Why? Because it's the opportunity for us to gather together. If we're in the dark right now and... And, and, and it was cold in here, you know. I wonder how many of us would hang around, right? It's scary in the dark. So whatever it is, as small as it's something like that, or as big as handing out and purchasing gospel tracts, or having training, or whatever it is that we might do, helping out missionaries all around the world, we need to give with the Great Commission in mind. This has helped me so much to realize that as I give, it's not about me. It's for the glory of God and his kingdom. So Paul here is sharing with believers, and these folks were examples of giving, and he even notes it, to the Corinthian church. They gave. They didn't require extra motivation. They were focused. And the question for us today is, first of all, are we givers? And then secondly, are we focused on the Great Commission? We need reminders from time to time to help us keep our focus on the Great Commission. Realignment is needed at times, personally and in the church. And when we practice biblical stewardship, I think at least three things occur. You may think of a number of more things, but today we have time for three things. Number one is this, I think it's in your sermon notes, the gospel is expanded. I mean, just looking at this passage, we understand that. Looking at verse 15, we understand that. No church shared with me in giving and receiving except you only. So when we practice biblical stewardship, the gospel is expanded. Secondly, eternal dividends are deposited to the giver. Now, we don't give just to get. I understand that. But if we look at verse 17, did you catch it? It says there, It shows us there's fruit. And he says it's fruit that abounds to your account. Paul wanted people to know that he did not seek the gift, but he was seeking the fruit that would come to their account when they prioritized the advancement of the gospel. So for us, we need to remember, God is the giver of all things. And even more than that, isn't it great to know? Every good gift comes from the Father above. 
and he is watching us and he adds fruit to our account. Now, if you study that word, you could easily use the word profit. Okay? Profit. There's profit. P-R-O-F-I-T, not profit like Isaiah, okay? Profit to the account. Well, that jives with Jesus, doesn't it? Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 20. He says what? Do you remember? Lay up treasure in your bank account, in your car, in your house, in your fridge. No, treasure in heaven. It's this eternal perspective. Remember this, church. We cannot outgive God. And I, I want you to know God will never owe us. God is always on time and paid up in full. So sometimes uh, we, we need to think about that. Because as, as we practice biblical stewardship, the gospel is expanded. There's these profit, fruit, uh, dividends eternally that are deposited for the giver. And then verse 18, the mission profits. But I have received everything in full. Look what's happened, what these people did for Paul. And I am fully, and I have an abundance, and I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus. Aren't you glad that you, you didn't name your firstborn Epaphroditus? <laughs> but he received it from this guy, what you provided. And look at it. It's an offering. It's a fragrant offering. That sounds good. It's a welcome sacrifice. It was sacrificial. We talked about that last week. Extravagant generosity. And it's pleasing to God. Paul says what they have given to him for the mission has been abundant. And God supplied them generously to be able to do that. And God liked it. It's fragrant. It's an acceptable sacrifice that they made. We must give with the Great Commission in mind. So what is the end result, Pastor? Why? What's the end result? The end result is this, that the gospel is advanced that as we are generous and have the Great Commission in mind, the gospel's not just advanced, but new churches are planted. I was just in a meeting yesterday, and I heard, I never get this word right, audacious, is that the right word? I heard it come out of the mouth of one of our leaders that in New Mexico, we want to get to planting 20 churches in a year. Wow, think about that. Now you may think, well, we don't need more church. We've got one right down here, right here. Do you know we have dozens of places with 500 people or more in New Mexico that has no gospel-believing church? We've got work to do. Do you know we have people, groups, and languages in New Mexico that are not being reached? You know, you think of the worldwide world and unreached, unengaged people groups. Have you ever heard that? I was in a meeting with mission folks, and I told them, we have that right in New Mexico. They went, what? What are you talking about? called Pueblos. We're only in three right now. Wow. Just think, just, just, just think how the mission profits and the end result. The gospel's advanced. Churches are planted. People, of course, are saved. Missionaries are sent out. We need more and more missionaries to go out. Pastors, God called leaders, are equipped. Compassion is experienced in times of need as we give to hunger relief disaster relief, all kinds of other things. Wow, just think about that. As we give, along with other like-minded churches, we can do so much more together. Well, I think the application for us here is simply this. Think about it for a minute. The only hope, the only hope 
for our world, your neighborhood, my neighborhood, our world, is Jesus. The times we are living, have you noticed the times we are living in? Now, I discovered America in 1962. Don't hate. You young folks do not hate, okay? But that's when I discovered America. When I was growing up, I never thought for a minute I would live in times like I'm living in today. Anybody? Some of you are like, oh, no, nothing fazes me. Go ahead and confess the sin of lying right now. It's okay. Right? I mean, it's crazy. And we live in this time, but guess what? God's given us this time. And God's given us an incredible opportunity for a renewed passion for fulfilling the Great Commission. I believe with all my heart God is waiting for New Mexican who are Christians, and for people who live in the United States to get a renewed commitment to the Great Commission instead of look at the world we're living in, look at the opportunity. I see if God is saying, look at this opportunity I'm giving you. Everywhere you turn, to the right, to the left, in front and behind, there's lost people. Wow. Wow. Think about that for a minute. I wish I was this passionate 24-7, but we have sin in our life, and we have things that get in the way, but God, can you realign us? We might never, listen to me, church, we might never have another opportunity to see another great awakening like right now. It could happen right now. I'm not God, I don't know if it will, but it could happen in Albuquerque. With us. Wow. Is your focus on the Great Commission? Are you joining with others in giving to advance the Great Commission, Jesus Christ? The third R word I want to get to, action, is this renew. Renew. Well, what does that mean? I think we need to consider renewing confidence that God will meet our needs. Confidence that God will meet our needs. And we see, of course, the famous verse, verse 19. You ever heard that verse before? Come on, some of you, you've quoted it, haven't you? We think about it a lot. Now, verses 11 through 13 remind us how God will take care of us and how we can be content. You can't look at verse 19 without looking at verses 11, 12, and 13. Contentment, contentment, contentment. But verse 19 reminds us that God's grace and his providential care is always present for us. Unfortunately, I must share this, that the promise of verse 19, do you see it? It's often lifted from the context. And it's viewed at this unilateral promise. I don't think it's that way at all. There is an extent to where that is true. We know in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, that God does what? He causes the sun to shine on evil and good, right? He sends rain to the just, to the unjust. But there are certain promises of God that are conditional. Do you know what I'm saying there? It's based on obedience. It requires obedience, and I think that's the context here. Some guy just can't say, well, God's going to, you know, he's been just doing whatever, and God's just going to supply all my needs. In context, it's conditional based on our obedience. The example we have here of these folks these Christians. And we've seen this in this series. We talked about tithing, Malachi 3. We've seen that promise based on obedience, sacrificial giving. We just dealt with 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9. Obedience. 
a promise of God. I believe that God will meet all your needs when you give to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ as you experience why you're doing it and you have the contentment and you're doing it with the great commission in mind. This is both personally and collectively as a church. Remember, we cannot outgive God. Not only that, God will give in proportion to his infinite resources. Did you catch that? According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's not a small amount. It doesn't say that. Well, I'll just give you a little bit. It doesn't say that at all. It says his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You remember 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 11. We read it last week. Let me remind you. Now, to the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food, he will also provide and multiply your seed and increase your harvest, excuse me, the harvest of your righteousness as you are enriched, as you are enriched in every way for all generosity. You see, our needs are grounded in God's grace. God knows our needs even before we have them. Maybe you're going through a tough time right now. God already knew what this time would be like in your life. When we share what we have for the purpose of advancing the gospel, we can walk confidently knowing God will take care of us. It's according to his riches, not ours. And so as we begin to wrap this up and close today, we're going to go back to the most famous verse in this passage, which is Philippians 4, what? 13, right? Paul says, I am able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The all things in this verse, I think, has often been removed from context from the Americanized Christian church. It has been turned into this spiritualized motto. I've been guilty of it, have you? Or mantra. Paul here, when he says, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me, he's not lifting up mind over matter. He's not aspiring for certain athletic excellence or record. He's affirming this. We often put it into those categories. When we think about a test, yes, God can be with us in a test. Or we think about an athletic goal, yes, God can be there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But more than that, I think he's affirming that whatever life throws our way, on one hand, poverty, hardship, despair. On the other hand, plenty, abundance, jubilation. Whatever God, whatever life throws our way, we only find lasting contentment Satisfaction and fulfillment in the one who strengthens us, Jesus. Have you heard of the Westminster Shorter Catechism? Anybody? It asks this question, what is the chief end of man? And in the, cate in the catechism it says what? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I would ask us today as we're wrapping up, are you living a life in all areas of stewardship, all areas of life, are you living a life that brings glory to God? Let me ask you some questions right now and you just to ponder them. 
Do you live like God is the owner of everything in your life? Do you believe and live like we own absolutely nothing? Are you honoring God with at least the first 10%? Are you practicing extravagant generosity? Are you focusing? Are you keeping in mind the Great Commission? Remember, people need Jesus, and they need Jesus now. And biblical stewardship should never be divorced from evangelism and making disciples. When we focus on the Great Commission, our focus is on the internal life of individuals. Well, we're getting ready to pray, but before we do that, I want you to look at the person next to you and say, you have survived. <laughs> See how good that felt? I'm hearing people laugh. You can turn to them again and say, I won't have to listen to this for quite a while again. <laughs> we're headed on to Palm Sunday, church, and we're headed to Easter, and we're headed to that little book of Jonah coming up. So we don't... We made it. Now, I said all that to get you to smile and relax and giggle a little, but as we pray, I want you to think about where are we with the Great Commission? What is God calling us to do as a church, as individuals, individual families, when it comes to stewardship? Would you pray with me? God, again, I'm reminded that people need the Lord and they need you now. God, I just pray that what was stated a few minutes ago about repenting and turning to Jesus, that, that there would be folks today that would take that step to follow you and, and, and watch you transform their lives. God, I pray that people would be saved today, right here, right here in Albuquerque, all over the planet. So God, we ask for that. We can't have biblical stewardship without being a follower of Jesus Christ. So God, we pray for that harvest today. And God, I pray for the many here today who know they have the assurance of their salvation. They know, God, that you have saved them, that you have transformed them, that you are sanctifying them. You are each day setting them apart to be more and more like Jesus and we're grateful for that God and we ask that you would continue that work you've begun a good work in us and that you would continue it and that you would continue it and that way we would be receptive and open to you God God help us to never live in such a way where we we're the smartest guy in a room help us to never live in such a way that we think we have arrived Lord God help me to be teachable help us to be teachable and help us to be ready to follow whatever you ask us to do. So we do thank you for the, the many verses and verses in the Bible that talk about generosity. It must be important, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Lead us as only you can. Help us to focus on making disciples of all the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.